Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey folks, welcome to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Back from California. Carlos, back from California, me, by way of Altoona, State College, Pittsburgh. You went all over the country. Well, in central Pennsylvania, you know, I didn't quite get far east enough to get into Amish country. But the part of Pennsylvania you know, is is beautiful. Didn't you Where, take an Amish uh, buggy back from State College to Pittsburgh to catch your flight? Or you, yeah. Is it like a little, it, like a sequel to Witness? I could, yeah, yeah, no, that was a little, that, that's closer to Philadelphia, but what, in Lancaster County, Lancaster County, I want to say. But yeah, Witness, what a great movie. In any case, we are back in the the cool, the, well, I guess Pennsylvania was cold too, but for you, you're back out of the out of the warmth where you grew up in Southern California, where the Lions beat the Chargers on a last second field goal. And of course, I was at Penn State, Michigan, where they ran the ball 32 straight times because Penn State, I don't know. Couldn't adjust. And they just counted on, hey, we can run the ball, and James Franklin is going to make some poor decisions. And he did. <laughs> and uh, in that combination, uh, one, of course, Jim Harbaugh wasn't there. There's a hearing Friday in the Washington Circuit Court to decide, you know, Michigan's trying to keep the Big Ten from from keeping it. You know, they suspended Jim Harbaugh for three games. There's an, They want an injunction to stop the suspensions, arguing that they don't have grounds or authority within the uh, contract. So that's coming uh, this Friday, then Michigan plays at Maryland. We're going to get into all that in the second second segment of the show, but we want to we want to stay in California, as it were, or maybe back in Detroit because the Bears come to town Sunday, right, Carlos? That's and, right, um, yeah. That's and, 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 the Minnesota, and the Minnesota Vikings keep winning, and the Lions got through their bye and you know looked healthy for the first time uh, offensively. They didn't look healthy. They were healthy. So there's a lot to pick through. What's, what 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 you think? Where's where's your head at with this team? Are you buying the national hype? Everybody's jumped back on the bandwagon. I keep hearing Super Bowl banding about, starting with Tony Romo. Do I buy the hype? Yes and no. Yes, because this team has it has a lot of potential. If if the defense can can live up to what it needs to do. Not be spectacular, but just be good, good enough. Not allow games to get out of hand like this. Not get into shootouts. I think that this team, yeah, they can get to the Super Bowl. They can win the Super Bowl. They're that good of a team, that well-rounded of a team, that complete of a team. Uh, I think that this is this obviously this is the best team we've seen in our lives and in, in my life at least. Um, Living here, I mean, you know, the Barry Sanders years were pretty good too, uh, 30 years ago. But this is, to me, the best team by far. And it just can't have the defense hobbling them because we'll get into this in a minute. But it could be, it could have been a very, very different 
national narrative. Although typically, and here's the one thing about the media folks. I'm gonna I'm gonna give give you some truth here. A little inside baseball is when a team like the Lions, a lovable loser forever, you know, kind of a joke. When it does well, it's the hot thing, and the national media gloms onto it because they want a new story, right? If the Lions had lost, they just would have ignored them. It wouldn't have been like, oh, the Lions are frauds. Nobody just, it just would have been ignored. But it was such a dramatic win going for it on fourth and two and all that stuff that it's an easy story to root for. Dan Campbell's a fun, interesting guy to root for and talk about. So I, I think it's a bandwagon thing, but I think the national media is typically a bandwagon entity. So I'm not sure that really matters that much. They'll glom onto something else next week. They'll entirely. The, the Lions will play, and also don't forget it was LA, it was a later game, all that stuff. When they play the Bears, nobody's going to care because if they beat the Bears, like, yeah, you were supposed to beat the Bears. If they lose to the Bears, like, eh, okay, whatever. You don't hear people piling on the Lions unless it's a big meltdown. So, yeah, you know, national hype, whatever. It's its, its own thing. Yeah, I don't, I mean, it, it may be easy. I don't and I don't think of it as a bandwagon. I just think they're, they're journalists or, well, when we say national media, we're talking about a sport. Some are journalists and a lot of former players, right? Or some are just have been broadcasters and they're journalists too of a, of a kind, I guess. But just, so it's a mix of people. But I don't know that it's because it's easy. I think it's just they go where the story is. And every year there's a couple of, like you said, you, you get a narrative, you get a good story. People want a good story. And that's really, it's really not any more complicated than that. The lines are a good story because of what you yeah. said. Right, so why would well, yeah, so a good why story, would, but why would yeah, I mean Ken Dorsey getting story. fired is a is a good story too? You know, I mean it's they yeah they 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 go where the stuff it's it's like the the stuff that stands out, right? That's what they're going to jump on. Yeah, they, they go bills the, are they frauds go and Ken Dorsey and all this stuff, and you know, but yeah, I mean it's 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 but they don't tend to unless it's a train wreck like the bills, they kind of ignore. I think they ignore losses a little bit more. Than they do, you know, well, it dramatic depends on wins. The, it depends on the context, right? Like, if if the Bills had lost like this six, seven years ago, yeah, they wouldn't pay attention. It'd be like the Lions. But because the Bills got Josh Allen, started getting better, and then Buffalo had that iconic playoff game a few years ago, right? With back where Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes are going back and forth, and they can't see the scores with, you know, what, 13 seconds? They get down and get a field goal. You know, I don't I can't remember how many yards, but that was a that was one of those all time playoff games. And the Buffalo Bills were young, and they had this swashbuckling quarterback. Bills and so mafia, expect, right? And so there's expectation. The minute there's expectation, and you and the expectation is based on something you've already that you showed, not just wow, we think they might be good. The Buffalo Bills actually showed it. And when that happens, then they're like, oh, okay, this is going to be one of the next Super Bowl contenders for a while with this quarterback and this young crew. And it's and they're struggling right now, and it's it's gotten difficult through a series of injuries, poor play, whatever. And that makes it interesting, and so they're jumping on it. But And if, and if Detroit does this, let's just say they have a really heartbreaking but memorable loss in the playoffs this year based on what we just saw this season, the last part of this uh, last season. And then they come out and, you know, uh, I got to watch what I say here. This is a family newspaper. They come out and struggle next year. That will be a story. That'll From the national media, like, oh, the, the Lions team, we thought they were going to be this, and now they've fallen apart. That'll be a story, too. It will be, but, you know, I don't think, I mean, right now, I mean, like I said, I think that it's the hot thing, and it's everybody's 
likes to talk about it and it's an interesting, you know, it was a, a wild game, whatever. But I don't think, I don't think the national media really, I mean, there's still, you know, whatever, eight games left, but I don't think the national media as a whole and, and even analysts and everything, I don't think they believe, really believe the Lions are going to get to the Super Bowl, that they're an NFC championship, you know, NFC game contender. Like, I don't think that's the expectation nationally, even locally, just because they've never done it. They've never come close. Well, I mean, they've been to the national, to an NFC championship game, but but they haven't done it recently, you know, certainly not consistently. So I don't know if they flame out. I mean, I think if they lose in the first round of the playoffs, yeah, that would be a disappointment. But if they lose narrowly against a team that's hot, I don't know if that's nationally, that would be like, you know, fire alarms going off. So it'll be a different story locally. But, uh, you know, it all depends, right? The con- You're right, the context. that the Lions limp to the finish and the Vikings, you know, roared back or whoever, you know, the Saints or whoever it is grabs that last wild card in line. Or, you know, Lions are playing them first and there's injuries and so- whatever, you know, St. Brown's kind of limp- gimpy, whatever. Yeah, I mean, that'll all matter. But, but I think for a week, for sure, the Lions are one of the more interesting outcomes on Sunday. So it's good for them. It's good. It's, it's good that expectations are being raised. And they've, they've actually shown they've handled them pretty well. So, you know, now they have to get through. It's actually not the hardest part of the schedule here. It's, it's, it's not too bad. It's not as easy as it used to look a couple of weeks ago. But no, um, it's not. Not with Denver. It's coming, there for them. Right? It's there. I mean, there's really, you, you, you can't ask for a better. Yeah, you know, situation here in the in the second half of the season. No one have eight games left, right? They're seven and two, and four uh, yeah. of those games are against. Don't you hate these seventeen games? Like it was so easy, but sixteen was so easy. Now it's like, okay, you got to do some math. <laughs> uh, you get the odd, you get the odd number, but for, let, let's just consider this for a second. So they got eight games left. Four of them are against teams that are going to be tough, right? I mean, two, twice against Minnesota, Denver is, was playing much better. They just went into Buffalo and won. Speaking of the Bills and and the Cowboys, who have your Cowboys, <laughs> who beat the Giants. No, I know it's just I think they beat the Giants. It was just the Giants, but forty something to they crushed them, three crushed or, them. yeah, whatever. No, then and, and they have played. I mean, I know they had the 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 tough loss where they kind of got run off the field against the 49ers a month ago, but they have they have looked good. So that's that's four, and then you got uh, the Bears twice, the Packers again, and then there's another team that's escaping me. I can't remember. Oh, New the Saints. You know the Packers should be should be chalk that up right. The Bears here definitely. I mean, could it get a little fluky, dicey at Soldier Field in a few weeks? Maybe, right? But but Dan Campbell and everybody in the NFL talks about this. It knows the NFL and Campbell talks about this all the time. It's hard to get a win. He talked. He told his team after the Chargers. He's like, hey, you know, you did you see the speech? Oh, it's hard to get a win in this uh, league. No. We're going to take a win. We're never apologizing for a win. The implication was because they gave up 38 points, right? They didn't. Part of the fan base was yeah. was disappointed with that effort. Right, rightly so. You know, 38, they, you know, the Chargers scored touchdowns on five straight possessions. But but you're right. This the 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 schedule is I mean, we we were thinking about it very differently 2 3 4 weeks ago. For sure. It's it's not a cakewalk at all. I don't expect them to go four and four. It's because they're playing four good teams and four not so good teams. But you know, what do they need to go? Probably six and two. That that probably gets them the division. That will yeah, almost uh, certainly give them the division if they go six and two, right? Thirteen wins. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, that's 
that's a, that's a lock for the division for sure. I mean, I, I, there's no way the Vikings can, and they have a they have a tough finish, you know, Minnesota. So yeah, if the if the Lions don't win the division, I mean, something horribly has to go horribly wrong for that to happen. But yeah, I think the you know the Chargers do have a good offense and. You know they got your favorite quarterback, so it's that's that's a, that's you expected them to score points, but you thought that these kind of you know scores were were kind of behind them. The, the Ravens game was everybody I think chalked that up as an anomaly and something was weird and you know it was terrible on both sides of the ball, so it wasn't just the defense that stood out, but now it's you know two of these games you know both giving up 38 points two in the last three games, you know, and they're not, luckily they're not facing offensive juggernauts in the next few games at all. So they should be able to stem the tide, but you can't, you know, it's funny, Sean, because, you know, being around a lot of the fans flying back, everybody's so excited and happy and, and you could, they would, Knowledge. I mean, everybody said this is such a fun game. It, people kept saying great game. It's like, this is not a great game. This was a fun game, but it was not a great game. You know, giving up 38 and basically, you know, roll to the dice of who was going to end up with the ball last. And if you make that, you know, fourth, fourth and two, whatever, could have gone either way. And, you know, people think of football, I think, as primarily an offensive game and they love scoring and all that. But you looked at what they were doing defensively. And this was the, this has been the last two years. It's been at least the last year, you know, last season has been their Achilles heel has been the defense. And, you know, you have, you can't just write that off. And Dan Campbell does a good job of excusing Aaron Glenn's deficiencies and the defense's deficiencies and, you know, Brad Holmes. And that's the tricky part, right? Is he's got to, he can't lay too much blame because Brad Holmes didn't do a lick during the, trade deadline to help the defense and Aaron Glenn, you know, who they're friends and he really respects them, you know, is really not living up to what he should be doing. He's, he's gotten a lot better, but this, it's not been a roaring success in year three under Aaron Glenn. So there's a lot of sensitivity there. This is why he's saying stuff like we got to, you know, we're not going to excuse, we're not going to apologize for a win. Like, yeah, maybe not, but you got a lot of stuff to fix. You got some concerns here. And the Lions are going to face good teams in the deep, in the off, in the playoffs. You know, they're not going to be able to get away with winning shootouts. You know, all the time. So this this something something it's a concern. It's a it's it should be a deep concern for them. Well, I, the, the personnel is just not there. I mean, you can talk about Aaron Glenn all you want. At the look at the personnel Ben Johnson Scott versus the personnel Aaron Glenn Scott. Right. Yeah, he's got a fourth round receiver who's their star. No, 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 no. You're not going to do that. You, you're not going. No, you're going to stay in reality here. The, the, ben Johnson is the second best offensive line in football. He's got a stud rookie tight end. He's got the best slot receiver in football. Right. He's got the best running back room in football right now mm-hmm. with the uh, the way Gibbs is playing and the way yeah. as long as Montgomery's healthy. Yeah, he's got one of the quarterback, be- and he's got one of the best five or six quarterbacks in the league who is as accurate a quarter uh, who has as accurate arm as there is in the football. Who made now, him he's that? Got a, he's got. You think Goff accurate, just did that? Who made who made Goff's accuracy? He was the number who one made, player. No, no, no. Who made him a good quarterback? Who made him one of the five or six best quarterbacks? Anthony Lynn didn't. 
No, the, but the, the Rams coordinators did. matter. The coordinators the put people for, in positions to be successful. No, I of course coordinators matter. But look at the difference in talent. The, 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 they've got now that they're healthy, they got the second best offense in the league. They have playmakers everywhere, and maybe the best offensive line when they're healthy, but certainly the second best. And if you don't think that makes a difference, and you don't know football at all. It makes an enormous difference. Now, look at what Aaron Glenn has to work with. What's he got to work with? Number two overall pick, you know, two out of the three, second round defensive tackle, third round defensive tackle. No, no, no. Look at what's you know, on the field. Look at what's on number, the field. Number one, number first round draft pick as a linebacker. Yeah, as a rookie, That's right? A, look what's look what's on look what's really on good the field. rookie. They lost yeah. their best uh, safety to injury. They lost their second best pass rusher to injury, right? I mean, losing James Houston was huge. They can't get consistent pressure. Aiden Hutchins, the only one's doing it. The only one who is doing it. You know, Tracy Walker's coming off an Achilles injury. He's not the player he was before he got hurt. Right. Kirby Joseph is good, but he'd be better with C.J. Gardner-Johnson next to him. They lost Emmanuel Mosley. He didn't even get to play. He played, what, how many snaps before he, he hurt his knee? Right. So you go know, get I mean, go get Montez Sweat, go get Kevin Byard, go get go get somebody at the trade deadline then. I mean that's a that's a different argument. They feel like they're on a plane, whatever. I'm just saying Aaron Aaron, that's a different discussion. Aaron Glenn doesn't have near the talent Ben Johnson does. But is it is it the chicken or the egg? Do you think Amon Rossi and Brown would have been great on any team? Any team oh, you even can, with the that's bumbling a offensive that's coordinator. A dis, that's a disservice to a guy who has an innate feel of how to get open, some of the best hands in the league, and who works his tail off. Right. Who absolutely works his tail off. And who's also put in position by his coach to make plays and to open space up and all that stuff for him. Right. Really? What's it what's it look like when he doesn't play? Does it look like the same offense to you? No, no, no. He's a he's a very good player. He's a great player. You know, yeah. borderline great player, but very good player. But I think he's I think the he, offensive coordinator matters. You know, it's not just for him. It's not just not talent, Sean. I mean, I know you I know you love basketball and all this talent, talent, you know. No, coaching coach coaching is just the only thing. They're not just born with it. Like, okay, I'm great. The course, and that's why he was a fourth round pick. At, I mean, why wasn't he that great at USC then? Because they didn't know how to utilize him as well. He was really good. He never, he didn't have Caleb Williams when he was playing there. He, he, he was good at USC. No, right. because scouts looked at him and thought this and that, you know, whatever. They miss all the time. We, we all do. It's, it's how it goes. I'm talking about who's good and, and who shows up. And the, the, the fact is, the difference, it's imbalanced right now. The lines are imbalanced. Now, getting Houston back, getting if they get Gardner-Johnson back, that might help some. And there's still not going to be a dominant defense, right? But no, they, there's a reason they have the, what I think I saw yesterday, that's the second best offense in the league. They're tough. And they're healthy. It's the first time really all good. year they've been healthy, right? Yeah. I mean, they're good. They're really, really good. And when you can protect, I mean, Jared Goff against a pretty good defensive line. Jared Goff didn't get sacked. I mean, yeah. it's really, it's it's it's, it's really something. The so. offensive line is great. I mean, there is no question. You know, I just think that the coordinator does matter. He get he's gotten the most out of Jared Goff. He's he's gotten the most out of a rookie tight end. You know, out of St. Brown. You know, these guys. I mean, even even the 
the role players, the Khalif Raymonds and Josh Reynolds, you know, he gets something out of them too. You know, and that's what we're not seeing from Anthony. I'm mean, Anthony Lynn from uh, Aaron Glenn is just, he doesn't seem to get the most, you know, like, like the one guy last year was Malcolm Rodriguez, right? Like he, he, he did, he did more than anybody expected him to do uh, last year when they really needed him because they were really thin on linebacker, but he hasn't, he hasn't seemed, I mean, James Houston was a good example too. I mean, I don't know if that's yeah, uh, going to be what he was in one year. You know, maybe, maybe not. We'll see. But that uh, was Jared a good, that was probably the shining example of getting the most out of a guy that you can that, you know, isn't a number one pick. So Jared um, Jacobs, not a lockdown guy, but he's playing the best ball of his career. Alex Anzalone is playing the best ball of his career. You know, he's good. Is he a, a dominant, dominant linebacker? No, he's not. Yeah, very I don't good. Know. Give Aaron Glenn the quality defensive line that Ben Johnson has on his line, and then see what happens with everybody behind him. You got to have the number two unit, you know, in the NFL to to not get blown out. I mean, you're you're just not going to ever win that way. You know, you've got to have decent you, players, but not great players. You know, I mean, you don't have to have great. I mean. You know, when the Lions were roaring with Indomitian and Sue, I mean, he was their dominant player. They didn't have amazing other players on that defensive line. You know, he was, he had, oh, he had, one had a really, player. really good defensive end. He was pretty good when he was healthy. He was actually, he was great. Who? He was from BYU. I, why, why can't I think of his name? What's up? Yeah, yeah. He was, he was great. Yeah. He just couldn't, he just couldn't stay healthy. No, they were yeah, good. He was really good. Yeah, what happened when 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 the the Lions went to Baltimore a few weeks ago and they couldn't protect Jared Goff and their line was bad. They didn't have Ragnow. I, they, I don't think they had Jonah Jackson at that point. They're, you know, those those guys are really really good. Yeah, and and they couldn't protect Goff. How did Ben Johnson's offense look then? That was that was a weird. And you know, every team has this. They have their slippers, They have their face plants, and it wasn't just that they couldn't protect. It wasn't any couldn't do anything. They couldn't catch. They it was everything. It was, they couldn't, I mean, they, they were, I think that was Gibbs's first game, maybe I want to say that, that he started. Yeah, he looked good. No, carries, but Gibbs showed some progress. No, no, it was Montgomery got hurt, I think. It, no, is it? You know, no, they, that didn't, was his no they didn't, they didn't have Montgomery, but, but Gibbs, Montgomery. Gibbs looked, yeah, no, Gibbs showed some promise that game. That, that, yeah, he's got a that burst. First he, one. he can make some stuff happen, but Goff didn't have time to throw and that was the game. And, that's the thing about golf. And this is, uh, you know, you're right about the quarterback issue. The plays that we saw Herbert make, Justin Herbert make in San Diego, the plays you saw Joe Burrow make, you know, later that night or, or that same day, I can't remember, when the Bengals played. These are, these top quarterback plays, Jared Goff can't make those plays, right? And and we'll see. That that's a different discussion for a different day. As long as they have this offensive line and they're healthy, it, it, it may not matter. But but when he doesn't have time to throw, the offense shuts down. So it doesn't matter how good Ben Johnson is at that point. If you got a different quarterback, it can extend plays maybe, right? Yeah. I mean, he doesn't do that. What, what, he's not dynamic the way those guys are, for sure. There's no question about that. He's but, accurate as heck, though, isn't he? When he's he's accurate. He's he's I think he's also gotten better about making some really tough throws and tight windows. And I think that's the you know, I mean you you gotta you gotta play the hand of your dealt, right? I mean, they don't have Jamar Chase, but they have, you know, probably a better offensive line. I don't know what the Bengals offensive line is, but 
you know, so you go with that. You have, you know, you have two, one really good running back and another one that's, that's showing a lot of promise, you know, and, yeah. and so you have a, a potent run game. So you, you build around that, right? If you have your offensive line, you, you go there and that's been smart. And you can win that way. You don't have to have, you know, Patrick Mahomes doesn't win the Super Bowl every year because you can do it no. different ways. No, it doesn't. And Jamar Chase is is fun to watch, but is he any more critical to moving the chains than St. Brown? No, he's not. Not right now. I mean, well, St. Brown's, no, Brown's on pace to have a 1,500-yard season. I, I, the, people get lost sometimes just because he, he because he's not 4-3 running down the sideline, making an acrobatic catch, high-pointing the ball with one hand, right? Yeah. But when it's third and seven... He's not a deep threat the way that Chase is. No, but when it's third... No, he's not. But when it's third and seven, and it's in the fourth quarter, and you need a first down, St. Brown, I, I'd rather have St. Brown. You know, oh, of course. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's just, it's. Yeah, I think there's more versatility with him and also the pitches and the rounds and all that. Yeah. I don't think they do that with Chase as much. No, I'm with you, man. Uh, Aaron Glenn definitely has got to get better for sure, but he's just, he's just, he, he doesn't quite have the talent. And you're right about the trade deadline that they, maybe they could have added somebody or whatever, but they, they feel like they're on this plan. And who knows? Maybe they're ahead of schedule. I don't know. They're seven and two for the first time since what? The 60s? <laughs> 30. I would say 30 years not ahead of schedule. It's they're, they're probably doing a little better than people were hoping or expected or whatever, but the, you got to show something in your third year. You can't. And they started showing it, obviously, at the end of last year, second yeah. half of last year. So that definitely helped. But that's, yeah, you got to make some noise in your third year or people start losing patience. No question, no question. Let's let's take a break, and and we're going to come back and talk about: Is there a family relation between you and Ben Johnson? Is there some kind of? I would like to know. <laughs> where, well, let, me, let me just say, hey, let me tell you this: Are we going to talk lines more on the other end? No, we're, we're, we can if you want, but we need we need to talk Jim Arbaugh and Michigan football too. Yeah, but yeah I will just say this about Ben Johnson: is is I heard this from fans on the plane. I've heard it before. But especially after that game, you know, oh, Ben Johnson, oh, like, oh, this is, the Lions are so great. It's such a fun team, all this. And and hopefully he comes back. Yeah, I think I think he might come back. Wouldn't it be great if he comes back? Like, people are just living in la-la land thinking like, oh, I hope he comes back. And And part of it is, you know, the BS line of, you know, unfinished business after the Panthers thing didn't work out. People, well, do you think that's true? And I know you've argued about this a lot, but... But it's like, the, no, 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 no. The guy's, the guy's not coming back. I mean, why would he come back? It just doesn't make any, you know, sense. But uh, it's hopeful. It's wishful thinking because they know. They know he is a special coach. And we haven't seen him. We haven't seen anybody like him with the Lions forever, probably. So <clears throat> that would be a huge loss. But that's, that's down the road. But no, we're not, I, we're not related, Sean, unfortunately. Yeah, I just didn't know if there was any, any you know, distant, distant relatives crossing paths or anything like that. All right, let's let's take a break. We went on way too long because we started arguing about Ben Johnson like we always do. And listen, please, folks out there, Ben Johnson's a, a fantastic coordinator and may well be a good head coach. We'll see. They're very different jobs, but he's one of the best coordinators in the league right now. And and I think the the, the play calling, the rhythm, the way he the way he lines up. 
you never know what's coming, right? And I think, but I, I personally think Dan Campbell has a hand in that too. And that's, that's, that's what makes these, aside from their, their talent, that's what makes them so good. You have no idea what's coming because they do both. They do everything really, really well. And that's hard to stop. And, and Ben Johnson has a great feel for when to do what and, and to keep people guessing. And uh, which that's a nice segue into our next one, because if you know what's coming, right? <laughs> if you know what's coming, <laughs> does that does that make a difference? If you have somebody's signs, does that make it does that make a difference? <laughs> no, we, we don't need to rehash all the signs healing, but let's go back and talk some Michigan football and some, some legal stuff, I guess, if we have to. Oh, legal uh, stuff. Oh, that's just oh. a headline. Oh, yeah, that's that's awesome. All right. We'll be right back with uh, more free press sports with Carlson Shaw. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. I don't know, Carlos. I, I, I just, I can't believe everybody's out to get Jim Harbaugh in the University of Michigan. And poor coach. By the way, by the way, is he still alive? Is he still alive? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It just it, acting like that, acting like something really seriously happened to him. The community. It's just because you weren't there on Monday, you're you're always there on Monday to 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 the, appease um, him and listen to his. His press conference, and so you weren't there this Monday, Sean. So that's the fine. Com- you don't know if he's alive. If you were, the, it's like if you weren't there, it didn't happen, right? No, no, no. It's just the community is acting like he's been, you know, something happened to him. Like he was never, he's never coming back. You know what I mean? No, I don't know. I he's got a court date Friday to see if he can coach the Michigan plays at Maryland on Saturday, then back in Ann Arbor to finish up the regular season next the following Saturday against, of course, Ohio State. And we'll we'll see what happens. But what 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 do you what do you make of all this? Huh? This is this is just silliness at this point to you, or do you feel like people just don't the, the football community, the coaching community, just doesn't like Jim Harbaugh, and that's partly what drove this. Calling up Big Ten Commissioner Tony Petiti. What do you think is going on here? And by the way, they beat Penn State without him. Yeah, that's you know, can can you can you win Coach of the Year if you're actually not coaching? You know, like half of the games or whatever. I mean, I don't know. That'll be, that'll be super impressive. Yeah. That's, that's the thing that it, it's, you know, in the big picture, like does grand scheme things, uh, the, the big tens created more drama for itself than it really needed to have. You know, it's become not quite a laughing stock, but kind of a, it's, it's cast itself into a position um, of, you know, polarizing, uh, being a polarizing entity, because you have a lot of Michigan fans, you have a lot of people in, you know, I have to say in college football, football in general, who like what Jim Harbaugh is doing, the kind of, I mean, it's, it's coming off as a maverick style, us against everybody. And that resonates, I think, with a lot of football fans, even if you're not necessarily a Michigan fan. 
And the Big Ten seems like almost government overreach in some way doing this kind of a thing and handing out this kind of um, penalty at a crucial part of the season. You know, I, I'm, I have, uh, you know, I have no dog in this fight. And uh, to me, it seems that they're, they, they went a little bit, I don't think too far, but too fast. I don't, I don't like that they're going to uh, possibly, very possibly, if they lose to Ohio State, it's going to be seen as the Michigan, as the Big Ten took the Big Ten title away from Michigan. And maybe helped, maybe not quite scuttle their championship hopes, but certainly made it more difficult for them to get there. So that's what I don't like. It's almost like an, like an umpire deciding a game in a way, you know. And obviously, we heard all about all the pressure from the from the Big Ten coaches. And like you said, John, I mean, it's true. It's like he's he's he Harbaugh has done himself no favors. This is where this is the price he has to pay. For being a mavericky guy, going his own way, not caring what people think or say about him, there are consequences to that. And talking about other people cheating, implying that and you're other not. people cheating and seeming hypocritical and self righteous and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's the, those the are the price two big pay. ones. Yeah, those yeah. are the two big ones. Do you? What do you think? Is it? Is this just? I, I is it? I think it's reasonable. I mean, I, you know, you, we can debate all we want about whether was it an advantage because you can take you can steal signs, right? That's perfectly within the rules. It's just the advanced scouting and the way you got them. But this guy running this elaborate scheme for two and a half years was that an advantage or not? I don't know. You can debate about it. All I know is it goes against the spirit of the competition. It's it's it it, it just does, and it plays out. The way it's playing out outside of Michigan and away, you know, there are Michigan fans everywhere, obviously, but outside of this state. And as long as you're not an alum or a fan, the, it, it's playing very differently. You know, I got a friend, I got a text from an old friend who's sort of a football guy, not really, but he texted me last week. It was after the Penn State game, and he said, do you think that Jim Harbaugh got his idea to steal what was coming, to steal plays and signs from a Brady Bunch episode where Marsha... Well, I mentioned it on the podcast. Where, I said, yeah, they steal, they steal a fake playbook, yeah. Yeah, 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 right, right. And it's just just that idea. <laughs> that that uh, could was, be true. He watches he, a lot of Judge Judy. He watches a lot of TV, right. so you know. I mean, he, he was... My, my, my buddy was being silly, but he lives in Texas, and he just... I was asking him, what's the perception? He's like, the Michigan's a bunch of cheaters. I mean, I just think that's the perception of people that vaguely follow college football around the country. Yeah, oh, right for now. sure. And, 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 that's too, and that's too bad for these players. You know, they're going to be labeled. It's, 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 there's a stain on I don't think the players will be labeled. It's, it's Harbaugh who's going to be no, labeled. No, no, for sure. But people, but people, no, not individual players, but that's how it's going to go. It's, you know, it's Michigan. And you don't make the distinction. At this point, they're seen as cheaters. Whether and and that's too bad for all of them, for most of them, right? Uh, you know, yeah. I, did, did did Harbaugh know? Who knows? And I and I don't want to sit here and speculate. It's it's it makes some sense. And maybe we talked about this last week. I can't remember. Doesn't it make some sense that the Connor Stallions was getting a lot of praise for the level of material and information he was bringing, and knew that he was breaking rules? And why would he want to tell the staff, "Hey, this is how I'm getting the information." I mean, I, I can right. see some logic to that, right? On the other hand, how do they not, how does at least a couple, of, how do a couple of them not know? So it's hard to know. It's hard to know. It is hard. And I, th- let me ask you this. Let me give you this scenario. If these coaches really hate Harbaugh that much, 
if they want to stick it to him, wouldn't it have been in a better, wouldn't it have been better in the long run to wait and have the Big Ten hand out the punishment next year and tack it on to the NCAA punishment that's coming? And then this is this would definitely maybe con- make him consider going to the NFL a lot more if he's going to miss God knows how many games, six games, seven games, or whatever it might be. You could get rid of him once and for all. Versus this is only gonna this is only gonna embolden him and make him like, no way, I'm coming back. I'm going to stick it to you. I'm going to win Big Ten title after Big Ten title. You know, I'm never leaving now, but. You could you could definitely encourage him to you know maybe this gym just, this is the push you might need to just pack up your bags and go to wherever Vegas or something. Yeah, no, I mean maybe it, it's it's possible, and I, I don't know that they're going to find any direct link. But the but that's sort of beside. I mean, it's not beside the point because if there were a direct link, if they do find one, then obviously he would be out of his job, and who he would be out of a job, and whoever else was part of it on the staff would be out of a job. So yes, I'm not, I don't want to diminish that or minimize that at all. But this whole whataboutism thing, it's frustrating because what they did was different. It was a different, when I shouldn't say they, what Connor Stallions did, right? Which by the way, Michigan is not denied. Nobody's denying. I mean, it's the reason he resigned. And I think that's why the Big Ten acted. And you, you look at it, look on the face of it, it's like, okay, they were doing something that that's, May not be that egregious in a way, but it's just, it's the way it feels. That's the problem with this. It's the way it, it feels like it's anti-fair competition. And and I know that maybe you shouldn't adjudicate based on how something feels, but I think that's why those the, the coaches were upset, the G, the other athletic directors, directors were upset, in part, sure, because of Harbaugh's personality and the, the sanctimony that he's laid on thick for the last eight years. No question. But it's also, and maybe there's some jealousy in the Michigan success and the resources the school has and the alumni, the, the, the donor base, all of that, maybe, for sure. But it's also, it goes against the, the gut of, of how you feel of when you step on a field of play. And, and I, think that, I think that was driving it too. And the Big Ten is looking around saying, God, everybody thinks we've got a school that's cheating on our hands. They're not denying it. We need to do something. We could find them. I, I don't know. Three games seemed about right to me. It, it, it doesn't at not this point in the season. Yeah, he could be with his team for six of them. He's only not with his team for four hours out of the whole week. I, I just don't. Uh, to pretty, me, they they're got pretty important lucky. four hours, though. No, they no for sure. And a coach helps, and, and a coach makes a difference. But he had a guy running a scheme for two and a half years to 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 violate the rules. I don't know. It's to me, it's worse than you know. He got three games at the beginning of the season for something I don't think affects. As much as uh, as what just happened with Connor Stallions, the thing about it is nobody knew this guy existed, right? Nobody knew Connor Stallions existed before this happened. How many other guys do we know not know who exist who are helping the program in some way in unseen ways? And and to think that yes, I mean to me it's it to me it feels like it's part of an a massive organizational effort right and he's stallions is just a small part of it and yeah maybe he was getting praised and did some good things but we don't know was he you know batting a thousand on everything on every side you know or was it good results but not necessarily great results and didn't all you know like i just don't understand i just don't see uh, it's going to be so hard to prove like unless stallions actually talks 
and and whether he's credible or not on top of that, how much Harbaugh knew, how much, I mean, to, to, to think he has that much control and knowledge over every grad assistant, every whatever, you know, out there, you know, uh, I don't know. And I, I also don't, I don't, I don't believe, I could be completely wrong, I don't believe that Harbaugh would be dumb enough to have a direct knowledge of this and direct, you know, uh, it does. It does. It that does, seems it does, stupid. It's, it seems like it's too much at risk. You know, on the other hand, Joe Rexrod, former colleague uh, of ours here at the Detroit Free Press, who's a columnist for the Athletic in Tennessee now, called up the other day and he he said, ah, "I just can't, I, I've never been able to understand why they, how they were able to beat the Buckeyes, and it just seemed like some of those runs, especially, and they knew what was coming, and it was just it was it was funny. It was, but that's what people are going to think. I mean, obviously, Buckeye fans think that, but who knows, man? I. Uh, we'll, we'll see what the judge says Friday. We'll see if he's back on the sideline in uh, College Park, Maryland on Saturday when they play Maryland, the Maryland Terrapins. And then, of course, who knows? Maybe they'll say, hey, we, you can sit this one out and you can come back for Ohio State. That, that'd be, that'd be kind of fun. But uh, in any case, we'll, we'll have all the coverage you could ever want in the, in, the, in the free press over the next four or five days as we watch all this play out. Let's take one more quick break and then come back with, with Carlos's favorite thing on Free Press Sports with Carlson Shaw. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos Los, as he likes to call himself. And uh, Sean, that would be me. And I think it's time for the favorite thing. And I'm fading, it sounds like. I think I, I've tried to have enough energy. It's been, uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's been a whirlwind tour of eating your way through L.A., so I don't blame it's, you, it's, it's been, it's, 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 been a, it's been a fall, that's for sure. All right, what's your favorite thing? And 10 favorite words or thing is kind of bittersweet, kind of a little bit sad. Um, that's eight words. Eight words. That's <laughs> that's it. I'm, I'm done. You went over in L.A., you know, grew up there. My wife and I met there. We... we have a lot of friends from there that we've, you know, kept in touch with for, gosh, we've known them for more than 30 years. And we saw a couple of them and they're both journalists and uh, they're both uh, longtime editors at the LA Times and, and they lost their jobs recently because the Times had to go through some cost cutting measures and eliminate some positions. And it was, it's, it's really hard, you know, our heart, hurts and aches for them. Late career journalists, you know, not that far away from retirement and having to scramble. But this is what happened. This is why this is why we left Los Angeles in 1999 was because this was happening, the consolidation of newspapers. It was actually LA was not a bad newspaper town. They had several pretty good newspapers. And in fact, I remember there was a paper called the Herald Examiner in LA, in my first year in college, my first semester, it folded. 
1989. And my first college journalism teacher said, just, hey, remember, you can tell you can tell your kids one day you were around when LA, downtown LA had two downtown metro big papers. And it just kept getting more, you know, as conglomeration happened and all this, it basically you have for newspapers, it's, it's really two newspapers. It's the LA Times and the chain that owns all the other ones, Orange County Register, LA Daily News. And it's become very hard to have jobs as a journalist in that town. And as much as I miss Los Angeles, so much as I, I, I really like going back there and we have friends and family there, I always knew that it was going to be almost impossible to return. And people have asked that and like, oh, would you ever want to go back? You know, and it's like, yeah, if it was a fertile professional, you know, ground. But that's one thing that also the, the sweet part of this is that I've really, really enjoyed working for the free press. It's I had more fun at other papers when I was younger as a young journalist and young people and you know how life is that way uh, when everything's new and exciting. But the Free Press is such a great paper. It has great people, a great tradition. We do great work. We're capable of that still, even though things have changed. But I will never, I will never regret coming to Detroit and working for the Free Press. It's been very, it's been by far the most satisfying part of my professional career. And you know how it is, Sean. I mean, you're a journalist. It's different. It's you're just. You're not a business person, you're not an accountant, you're not, you know, it's in your blood. You know, if you're a journalist, it's in your blood. It's what you train for. It's it's who you are in many ways. Even I left the business for a little while, but I was still consider myself a journalist. That's that never leaves you. So it's 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 always I every time these kind of things happen, when I hear friends and family or whatever, you know, journalists and having a hard time in the business, I always think about we've been lucky to have the kind of stability at the free press and in Detroit that a lot of other people would really hope for. So I hope that Anjanik gives me a raise now after I've said all this. I hope that, that this is really what it's about. But uh, yeah, that's, I was, a, it was, it was tough. It was tough to hear those stories from our friends. Um, but it just made us that much more appreciative of, of what we have. Well, I'm sorry to hear that for them and knock on wood, uh, knock on wood for us. I keep mine short and sweet. I, there are a lot of things I could pick, pick through in the last seven days. But I, how about this? I, I love getting off the, you know, I think about this sometimes. I love getting off the plane at Metro. I like getting on the plane at Metro too because I like going out and seeing the world. But but I love getting off of it. And it's the best airport in the country to me. The, the, the rankings show that. They back that up, although it gets nicked for food. But we don't have to worry about eating there so much, do we? Because we live here. If you're if you're using that as a layover airport, like a lot of people do say to travel to Asia, then maybe that's a little bit of a different story. Not that the food's not bad, but it's funny. It's whenever I see the metro get nicked in the rankings, because it's almost always wins the top airport in the country, it's because of the food. <laughs> I guess it always comes back to the food. But I just I, I love walking off the plane. I like walk, out into that out into that glassy open air and just being and being home. And it's an airport that, you know, we, we can take pride in. It's, it's a beautiful place and just, it's nice to be in it and it feels good, but nothing feels better than when, to me, than when you, when you get home. And, uh, you know, even if you had a hard time leaving where you were, 
by the time you've gotten, you know, flown and gotten in your head around leaving where you were, you, you get off that plane and it's just, it's comforting. And, and, I, and I got to do that late last night. That would have been for the listeners out there Tuesday night. And I just, I just never get tired of that feeling. So that was my favorite thing. Good. Welcome home, Sean. It was a long trip for you, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of, a lot of writing. <laughs> Not that, hey, that's what we do. And I'm grateful to be able to do it. Oh, Dave Burkett would, Dave Burkett would have your head in a platter, a lot of writing. Well, it is. I mean, they're longer pieces. For us, and, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a different kind of writing. But in any case, all right. It's good to see you, man. I'll see you Sunday at least, right? For the Bears. Oh, yeah. Bears. All right. We want to thank you all again for, for tuning in, for listening. Oh, by the way, darn, I meant to mention this. We'll have to do this next week. I got a, I got another reader who who talked about the salsa, and I wanted a, a different form of salsa. I wanted to read that one, too. Well, we'll do that next week. And Perfect. Um, and we got to, we got, I got to figure out a way to send out the podcast. It got me to thinking, though, maybe we could... We can share that kind of stuff here and there because people seem to be people seem to be interested. And it'd be fun to hear how it turns out for folks. So, all right, man, I'll let you thank the people that we need to thank on the masthead. Yeah, we have to thank producer Robin Chan and co-executive producers Kirkman Crawford and Anjanette Delgado and free press editor Nicole Avery Nichols. But most of all, Sean, we have to thank who. The listeners, obviously. I think we already thanked them. God, they're ingrates already. I mean, come on. People we thank you, do we really need to thank you twice? No, we're, we're, we're grateful for any time you spend with us. Obviously, you find you you find us wherever you find your favorite podcast. The main thing, though, is to subscribe, rate us, and rate us. You know, that helps. Tell us what you think, but mostly subscribe. You want to give us five stars? We're not going to argue at all. Carlos, it was a pleasure, as always. It's good to see you, my, my bud, and... And I look forward to seeing you Sunday and rejoining the read- readers, listeners, viewers. Uh, I think we do have some viewers after the game, after the Lions, Lions, Bears games on, on Sunday, right? That's right. We'll do another quick uh, update after the game. Okay. Sounds good. And, all right. Until then, thanks. And we will we'll return with more Free Press Sports with Carlson Sean. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.